Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. We are going to spend some time today looking at burdens, burdens that you take on board that you feel impact your heart. We're going to see somebody in in the passage of the Bible that we're going to read today who experienced a strong sense of burden. We're going to look at someone who was deeply impacted by the hardship of others. And we're going to see that experiencing that sense of burden can lead to action. We'll see how a man called Nehemiah is impacted by the hardship of his people and how this leads him to act. So we're starting our new preaching series here at the morning service titled Building for the Lord and we'll be working through the book of Nehemiah. I'm just going to jump in and read the first passage that we'll be looking at. Should come up on the screen if you want to follow along. And it's Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. Its gates have been burned with fire. So it's worth saying that the Bible is a collection of different books, different types of books. Some are poetry, some are letters, some are songbooks. But this book that we're looking at, Nehemiah, is is a history book. It's telling us about the history of the ancient Israelites. So I'm going to try and give a little background for a moment. The book of Nehemiah was likely written between 445 and 420 B.C., Now, beginning in around 598-597 BC, the Babylonian Empire had taken the people of Judah, which was the southern kingdom of Israel, into captivity, away to Babylon, and they had left Jerusalem in ruins. But around 60 years later, another world power gets involved. You see, the Persian Empire, led by King Cyrus, conquered Babylon. And Cyrus allowed the conquered peoples who had been forcibly taken into other lands by the Babylonians to return to their land. And he also allowed them to rebuild their temples. So the people of Judah could return home and rebuild their temple that had been burned by the Babylonians. Before the events we we read about in Nehemiah, there had already been a group led by a guy called Zerubbabel that had returned home and rebuilt the temple. So that's some background to these verses. We're told in verse 2 that this conversation happened while Nehemiah was in Susa, which was in Persia. 
And we know from elsewhere that Nehemiah was an Israelite official serving in the Persian government. What we can seem to work out about Nehemiah is that he was not a priest or a Bible teacher, but he was actually a gifted administrator and organiser. And we can see that he was someone with a lot of vision and passion, that he was a formidable and, and practical person. Now, the events of this book will cover about 13 years. And the first chunk of the book of Nehemiah is focused on the, the physical rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. But the book will later go on to look at the spiritual rebuilding that the people desperately need. I think many of us love a good story, you know, a narrative. Whether it's a film or a book or a TV series, we can get quite captivated and, and immersed in stories. And quite often, the mark of a good story is, is the presence of some sort of crisis or, or problem that needs to be resolved. There might be a, an evil ring that needs to be dropped in a volcano. There might be a group of hostages that need to be set free. We can probably all think of many examples of these central problems that are at the heart of the stories we know and love. And often the problem really is the heart of the story. And the overcoming of that problem is the mark of a good ending. And I think if we were to treat the book of Nehemiah the same way, as we treat these other narratives, where we can identify that central problem that's at the heart of the story, it would be fair to say that verse 3 of chapter 1 identifies the central problem that is at the heart of the story of this book. As we've already read, verse 3 says, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. This is the problem at the heart of this whole book's story. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, which meant there was, there was a lack of security. But more than that, we're told that the people are in great trouble and disgrace. These are the problems that need to be overcome. So as we work through this book, we can be asking these two questions. What state is the city's wall in? And how is the morale amongst the people? There's three main points I want to focus on today. I'll look at how questions have power, how good leaders care for their people, and how Jesus is the leader we need. So firstly, questions have power. Well, at least questions have the potential to be powerful. It can all depend on, on how we answer them, can't it? A, a lot of the time we can minimise the, the power of questions because we, we don't really answer them. We give vague, indirect answers. But good questions are powerful. They're an invitation for the truth to be spoken. Jesus himself is, is recorded as asking 307 questions in the Gospels. So asking questions is, is a good habit to have. And I, I know someone who, who sometimes, when they see you, starts by saying something pretty standard. You know, she says, how are you doing? 
And then she lets you answer with the equally standard, not too bad, thanks, that many of us have on autopilot. But, but then she responds with the follow-up question, how are you really doing? It's after that question that people can start to really open up and have a meaningful conversation that, that's more than, than just going through the motions. The truth of, of where someone's really at can come out. The right questions have power and they can have an impact. We see in in verse 2 that Nehemiah asked a question that would ultimately have a big impact on him. He asked Hananiah and he asked Hananiah and the others how his people were doing and how Jerusalem was. And you see some background to Nehemiah's question is that He probably expected a different answer to the one he gets. You see, Nehemiah knew that Ezra the priest had already returned to Jerusalem to teach God's law to the people. And he knew that the temple had been rebuilt. He probably expected the people to be in pretty good spirits. They'd returned to their homeland and and they were being taught spiritually. So Nehemiah might have expected that there'd be that there had been some sort of spiritual and, and cultural renewal. He might have expected morale to be quite high, but no. He's told when he asks this question that his people are in great trouble and disgrace, as verse 3 tells us. The, the word used for trouble in verse 3 literally means bad or evil. So the people are just in an all-round negative set of circumstances. There's a heaviness in the atmosphere. And Nehemiah is told that the wall is broken down and the gates are burned with fire. The wall itself represented security and protection. So the fact that the wall is broken down shows there is a lack of security and protection in Jerusalem. The wall being broken down symbolised something. It wasn't just physical. It symbolised the vulnerability of Jerusalem as a city. Jerusalem itself wasn't just a physical city for the people of Judah. It was symbolic. Jerusalem doing well represented a high point for the people. It represented good morale. Whilst Jerusalem being in ruins, as we have read, represents the opposite. Nehemiah is being told that the people's circumstances are simply not good and that Judah is vulnerable. There's a clear tone of sadness to this short passage. Nehemiah hears this report about his people and and it impacts him. Later in this book, he goes on to weep, he goes on to pray, and he goes on to act. Nehemiah was not content with the state his people were in, and he took action. In a similar way, there's probably questions we can ask in our context, and and we might get some uncomfortable answers, like Nehemiah did, when we open ourselves up to be concerned in this way. Like Nehemiah, we should not be content with the state of this world, the brokenness that we feel, the brokenness that we see. 
we're not to be content with the fact that there are so many people that don't know Jesus is the one who satisfies our souls and gives us life to the full. We're not to be content with the fact that there are those people who just have no social connection to anyone. We're not to be content with the poverty there is, the injustice, the corruption, the racism there is, the abuse there is. It might be worth us thinking what our question could be. That question that can have an impact. It could be that we ask our questions in that deliberate way where we ask people, how are you really doing? It could be checking in with people about where they're at spiritually. It could be checking in with a tricky relational dynamic you're aware of. It could be that we ask ourselves what our role could be to address some of the brokenness we see around us. There's so much spiritual need in particular around us. And as Nehemiah built up the the walls of the city, maybe we can play a part in building up the church. As the church is Jesus' body, the church is the way God chooses to reach this broken world. The the Northern Gospel Project say that less than 4% of Manchester currently attends a church and 60 new churches of 100 people would need to be planted by 2030 simply to keep up with population growth. Maybe you could ask the question as to where you might fit in with reaching those 96% of people in Manchester currently not in church. There's some of, you know, though some of the need can feel heavy and have that sense of burden, there's also a joy and excitement in in participating in what is being done by God in the world. There's a privilege in partnering with God. When we hear painful answers to our questions, we should weep, we should pray and we should act. We're not to be passive as as we look at the brokenness of this world. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he taught them to pray, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We're to invite God's kingdom into our environment. And we have this privilege of working in partnership with God to build his kingdom. So secondly, good leaders care for their people. When I was younger, I used to get really immersed in watching certain TV series. I used to throw myself into them and often make the main character a bit of a role model and and aspiration for myself, which probably wasn't the best thing when I was watching shows like Breaking Bad. You know, some of these characters I followed weren't exactly shining examples of morality. But a certain show I liked was a bit different to these seedy, cynical crime dramas. I liked a show called Band of Brothers, which follows a group of American soldiers in World War II. And the main character in this show is based on a real guy who was called Richard Winters. And he wasn't the worst guy I could have had as my role model. Richard Winters was the leader of Easy Company, a certain battalion within the U.S. Army. You observe him a lot through the series, 
and, and his leadership really stands out. There's, there's a humble, servant-hearted nature that really comes across. He leads from the front. He's not detached from the people that he's leading. He took the time to understand his people. And what's clear is that he cared for his people. The well-being of the people he was leading always took priority over his own needs. He was a good leader who was genuinely concerned for his people. We've seen Nehemiah ask this question as to how his people were doing. And it seems that his motive for asking the question was simply his, his care and his concern for his people. Nehemiah was a person who cared for his people. He was genuinely concerned for their welfare. And as this book unfolds, we see that Nehemiah is, is a pretty gifted guy. He's a skilled administrator. He's an organiser. He mobilises his people for action and coordinates them. He has a vision for Jerusalem. But before he's any of that, he's simply someone who cares for his people. We see that throughout this book. As he leads his people in, in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, he faces a lot of opposition. There are people that are determined to, to make Nehemiah's plan fail. There's people that plan to, to harm Nehemiah, but Nehemiah doesn't give in. So he's going about work that's dangerous for him. He's putting himself at risk of harm because a lot of people didn't want Jerusalem's walls to be rebuilt. And he didn't run away from these dangers. He didn't distance himself from the painful realities on the ground that came with the work he was overseeing because he cared for his people. They weren't just a project that had been assigned to him that he could distance himself from. The biblical model of, of leadership is leadership that is self-sacrificial in many ways, rooted in this genuine concern for people like Nehemiah has, where leaders give up their lives for their people to overcome darkness and adversity. Nehemiah's care for his people motivated him. And that was more important than all the organisational skill and drive that he had. That care was his foundation. So thirdly, Jesus is the leader we need. Nehemiah has a lot of strengths. Through this book, we're going to see him serve in many ways as a very good leader. He's a decisive leader. Care and concern seem to be at the centre of his leadership. He's going to rally his people to action. He's going to organise them. He's going to point them towards a pursuit of God and a pursuit of holiness. But we're going to see through this book that he's not the ultimate leader. He's not the ultimate source of hope. Throughout the whole Bible, there, there seems to be this longing for a great leader that, that could deliver the people. There's a lot of people that we see doing great things throughout the Bible. And Nehemiah is one of them. But these great leaders often tend to have some sort of downfall. 
King David was a clear example of this, for example. He, he was king over the ancient people of Israel and, and brought a lot of people together and brought a lot of devotion to God. But he was deeply flawed. He had one of his own men killed and slept with his wife. Leader after leader that we see throughout the Bible seems full of potential, but then turns out to be deeply broken. Now, Nehemiah doesn't appear to have any sort of great moral downfall in the way that that King David did, but in a sense, he's still unable to do what's needed. As we saw earlier, some of the central issues that need resolving in this book are the ruined walls that that need rebuilding and, and the morale that needs restoring among the people. Yeah, Nehemiah does rebuild the walls, but but towards the end of the book, he, for example, he sees some of his people that he feels have been unfaithful, and then he reacts by beating some of them and and pulling their hair out. Doesn't exactly seem like perfect unity. The walls, yeah, get rebuilt, but I don't think Nehemiah quite manages to to properly sort out that sense of trouble and disgrace among the people. So Nehemiah was an imperfect person, like David, Moses and Abraham were. But there's this desperate need for a leader who can be totally relied upon, who people can place their hope in. The whole narrative of the Bible is is longing for this figure that fulfills the people's hopes. And Nehemiah, though imperfect points us through his strengths towards that true leader we are longing for, Jesus Christ. Nehemiah's care and concern for the people of Judah points to Jesus's unrivaled care, concern and compassion for humanity. Last week at our evening service, we heard Alicia talking about how Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He's not like the hired hand who runs away when things get difficult because it's not worth it to him. No, Jesus sticks with his people and and genuinely cares for them. Jesus is the perfect Nehemiah. As Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem, Jesus is building his church and he is firmly committed to it and deeply cares for it. Ultimately, the building work is in safe hands. Though we struggle, though we groan, though we push back against the brokenness of this world, we can rest secure in the fact that Jesus is the one that holds his people together. I think there's some of us that just feel really broken ourselves. Like we are the broken walls that that need the work, that we need God to rebuild us to put us back together. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to restore us and heal us where we need him to. Some of us may be trying to work out where is it in particular that God is calling us to focus, to work with him, to build his kingdom, the kingdom of God. Let's allow God to stir up our hearts to be in line with his so that we 
could see things with his vision. Thanks for listening. Christchurch Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.